Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for today is one of the best known of Jesus' parables, this great story of the Good Samaritan, taken from that magnificent 10th chapter of Luke that we've been reading from for the last couple of weeks. You know, something Karl Barth taught me, he was a great Protestant theologian of the last century, was that everything in the gospel, all the stories, the doctrines, the exhortations, the parables, everything, it's finally about Jesus Christ. Everything is an image, a portrait of Jesus Christ, like a diamond with many facets. What we see now in the gospels are the various facets now illumined one after the other. It's very much true here. The story of the Good Samaritan is a moral tale. It's teaching us about the moral life, quite right. And we're probably very familiar with that reading of it. You know, that we should care for those who are in need, even those who are outsiders and so on. But I want to pursue a somewhat different reading, much more in line with the thinking of the church fathers. They saw this story as a great illustration of who Jesus Christ is. You know, one place to see this Go to Chartres Cathedral in France. You'll see one of their great windows. And in this window, intertwined, are the stories of the Good Samaritan and the fall of man. The fathers felt that this is an illustration of how Jesus Christ cures us fallen human beings. Let me show you how this unfolds. Listen to how the parable opens. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, Jesus says. Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the holy city, God's city. It's there that all the tribes go up. Jerusalem is a symbol of the well-ordered city, the well-ordered life, spiritual perfection. Now read symbolically, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It is true in the Holy Land that Jericho is down from Mount Zion. You take the road down from Jerusalem to Jericho. What's Jericho? That's a city of sin. When the Israelites come into the Promised Land, they have to conquer it and take it. Jericho is one of their major goals. Through God's power, they blow the trumpets and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. They take the city. Jericho is a symbol of the improperly ordered city, of the dysfunctional soul. So a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It means this is the fall. The fall of all of us. We're all this man who through sin have made our way from the heights of God's friendship to the depths of Jericho. We're meant to be drawn into this story, to identify with this 
figure. We next hear that he fell in with robbers. He was robbed. Read it symbolically. What does sin do to us? The loss of friendship with God. Christians, it robs us of what's best in us. When we fall out of friendship with God, our minds become distorted. Even if they know a lot of true things, they don't know the truth. They don't know the deepest connections of things. They don't know the deepest truth. We're robbed, in a sense, of the proper functioning of our minds. When we lose friendship with God, we're robbed of the proper functioning of our wills. We don't know what to choose anymore. We choose the wrong things. When we lose friendship with God, we are robbed of the proper functioning of our passions, the proper ordering of our desires. We're robbed in a certain way of our human dignity. The Council of Trent says, we've lost the likeness unto God. You know, people that have been robbed, they'll tell you the worst part of it is not the things that you lose. That's bad. But the worst part of it is the dignity that you are stripped of. There's something that's terribly humiliating about being robbed. When someone's broken into your house or your apartment or they rob your person, there's something that's just humiliating about it. So in sin, we are robbed of our human dignity, our glory, our proper functioning, the beauty that we ought to have. All of us have fallen in with robbers. What did they do? They stripped him, beat him, and then went off, leaving him half dead. That last little phrase is brilliant. What has sin done to us, the loss of friendship with God? It leaves us half dead. Put it the other way, only half alive. Christians, are you still alive even when you're living in sin? Sure, you're alive. You're functioning. In fact, you might be functioning in the eyes of the world at a very high level. But you're half dead. You're not fully alive, really alive, truly alive. That line I often quote from St. Irenaeus, that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The implication is when we're in sin, we're not fully alive. We're not the people God wants us to be. So there we are. This is a portrait of us. Having wandered from that height of Jerusalem down to Jericho, we are robbed of our dignity and we're left half dead by the side of the road. Helpless. Listen now what happens next. A priest happened to be going down the same road. He saw him, but continued on. Likewise, there was a Levite who came the same way. He saw him and went on. Now, we know the moral behind this. You know, when you see someone in need, you ought to respond. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're going. Someone's in need. You respond. Quite right. The story is telling us about the moral life. But keep reading it as the church fathers do now, symbolically. This man, beaten and robbed, is all of us, beaten up by sin. What won't save us? 
what these two figures symbolize. A priest and a Levite. They symbolize the religion of the time. Notice though something, please. They are going, Jesus says, the same way as the man. They too are going from Jerusalem to Jericho. What the priest and Levite stand for here is fallen religion. Look, religion's beautiful, wonderful. I've given my life to it. You know, I'm a priest. I'm hoping that there's something worthwhile in the work that I do. He's not making fun of all religion. I think what he's saying is fallen religion. Religion in the measure that it too is affected by sin. Religion and religious practice that have become self-absorbed, self-referential, that are simply avenues for aggrandizing the ego. They won't save you. They won't. You know, G.K. Chesterton said, we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. You know, if, you're, if you're stuck in the boat, you're not going to be saved by someone else who's stuck in the same boat. Fallen religion is not going to save us. And that remains as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. But then what happens? And here's the good news. Here's where the story turns. Here's the hinge. But a Samaritan was journeying along. He came upon him and was moved to pity at the sight. There's so much packed into that line. Here now is the portrait of Jesus. We've been depicted already. We're the, we're the man beaten up by the side of the road. Religion has been depicted. That's the priest and the Levite. Now... Jesus is depicted. Why is he a Samaritan? Well, they were hated. Outsiders. Was Jesus loved universally? Hardly. Well, loved by some in the beginning. But as you read through the Gospels, what you see progressively is the hatred toward Jesus, culminating finally in the death on the cross where everyone fled. This hated figure... That's Jesus. More to it. Who are the Samaritans? They were half-breeds. Part Jewish, but part pagan. They'd mixed with the pagan peoples around. So the Jews, the purebred Jews, looked down upon them. The church fathers have commented, isn't Jesus himself a kind of hybrid? He himself is both divine and human. This strange outsider, despised. He's the one who sees the man by the side of the road and takes pity. Christians, it's a wonderful portrait of our God, made flesh. He's characterized by pity for us. That's why he's come. Not to lord it over us. He's come precisely to save us. Listen to what he does. He approached him dressed his wounds, pouring in oil and wine as a means to heal. Terrific. He approached him. That's Christ coming close to us. How? Precisely in our degradation. Precisely in our sin. As I've said a million times, Jesus likes sinners. He lives with them. He stays with them. Jesus approaches us. The priest and Levite went their way. He comes close. He dressed his wounds, 
Now how? Pouring in oil and wine as a means to heal. This is the sacramental life of the church. Oil. It's used at baptism. Used at confirmation. Used at the ordination of a priest. Used at the anointing of the sick. Wine. Well, there's the Eucharist. The wine that's transformed in the blood of Christ. What's being symbolized here is Jesus Christ approaching us wounded and humiliated in sin and pouring into our wounds His life. How? By means of the sacraments. This is a beautiful image of the church. What the church does in its sacramental life is it pours into wounded souls the life of Jesus Christ. Wine, oil, the sacramental life of the church. You know, something very similar, by the way, in John's Gospel, when they pierce the side of Jesus, and out comes blood and water. Blood for the Eucharist, water for baptism. Just a last move. The next day he took out two silver pieces and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of this man. He pays for him. The word redemption comes from the Latin word that means to pay for, to buy back. Jesus, by his death on the cross, has redeemed us. He's paid the price. He's bought us back. And so in the life of the church, we celebrate the fact that by the cross of Jesus, we have been saved. Christians, reread this story sometime today. Identify yourself with the man wounded, half dead by the side of the road. And then rejoice in the Christ who has come to save you, has come to redeem you. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.